I heard a story about a guy from Arkansas. Why he was from Arkansas, I'm not sure, but that's how the story was told. Apparently, he was from a small town in Arkansas, had never been to the city, never been away from his little farm town. And he was invited to go to a sports event in the city. And so he showed up for this sports event, football or something, and he was in this huge stadium. He'd never seen a crowd of people like this in his life. So there he was kind of gazing all around and kind of in in wonderment. And he heard a, a voice um, shouting across the stands and the voice said, hey, Mike. And he he looked kind of puzzled and thought that he could see who was who was calling so he looked in that direction and sure enough another several seconds later the voice shouted back hey mike well he was kind of flustered by this and um he he finally he stood up and he he watched over to where the voice was coming from and here it was for the third time and the voice shouted hey mike at which point he shouted back, my name's not Mike. Now, I don't know if you get that story or not. The point of the story is that it wasn't about him. And I want to talk today about the fact that there is, um, there's a, a news flash for us concerning the gospel. And it's simply this, it's not about you. Well, it is about you. I'm, I'm going to come full circle to that as, as we talk this morning about all of this. But here's this guy in the stadium, and he assumes that um, the person who's calling must be calling to him, but just doesn't get his name right. So there he is. My name's not Mike. Um, is trying to figure out who is shouting at him from across the stadium. About 10 years ago, I was in Uganda, in Kampala, at Lake Victoria. And Lake Victoria is a beautiful lake. Several countries kind of converge on the lake. And there's a lovely hotel on the, on the shore of Lake Victoria. And I was either on my way, coming or going, I can't remember, but was going to or from the airport in Kampala, and, and I was just there overnight. And... I decided just to go and sit on the beach at uh, Lake Victoria, and I was sitting there on a on a um, some some kind of a looked like a log of a tree or something, and and as I sat there, I noticed that there was there was a pack of of young people came, boys and girls. They looked to me as though they were you know maybe fourteen, fifteen years old. And I remember now, it was Friday afternoon, and so I figured out that probably their their school week had finished, and they were kind of having this excursion to the beach. They went in swimming, didn't, you know, bring swimsuits or anything, just clothes and all, and they were in and out of the water swimming. Well, there was a bunch of guys, and they sort of came close to me. I'm pretty obvious. I am a pretty white, white guy. And I'm pretty foreign, so this group of of young men kind of made their way sort of cautiously towards me, and then they became a bit more boisterous, less cautious. And they began to ask me ridiculous questions like, do you know the President of the United States? And 
do you know when they you know gave me film stars names or whatever it was and then they they got closer and closer and they, they began to kind of jostle me it was the kind of jostling that uh, over here we might say you know should have someone maybe call the police because you, you got a bunch of ruffians who knows where this is going to go so i was kind of stealing myself for it getting necessary for me to exit and make my way back to the hotel but they kept on talking and they kept on talking excitedly and they were talking to one another and then pushing questions back at me finally the the one kid came right up to me and he he stood face to face with me and he said do you know jesus christ is your personal savior of all the things <laughs> i expected him to say that was the last. And here's this guy um, who, who was going to do what he thought was the, the most important thing to do in this conversation with this strange white guy who didn't even know the film stars. He, he was going to ask him about his personal salvation. And, and the language, it was, it was kind of that scripted language of a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I thought, well... You know, the the missionaries brought the gospel or the, the gospel has been here for some generations. They were from a school that was the name of a Catholic saint, so I presume it was a, a Catholic school. But but I thought about that as, as I left, and I, I just sort of shook my head and thought, what an interesting conversation. Uh, you know, and, and what a bold young man, courageous to, to dare to ask me that kind of question. I was quite happy to be able to give the answer in the affirmative of course so that being my answer they kind of headed off and thought I guess their their mission there was over so away they went personal salvation and what that means and how it has become the the kind of marker of evangelical Christianity it, it's all about, have you made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know Jesus as Savior, Savior and Lord? And, and we all, as followers of Christ, feel driven, I think, to ask that question. That's the question that we're kind of aiming towards when we're having conversations with friends or neighbors or people at the coffee shop. Um, I had a conversation with someone not long ago, and we got into a, a curious discussion about whether Jesus and Paul said the same thing. And the language of it was, did, did Paul preach Jesus, and did Jesus preach Paul? And this person's contention was that Paul preached Jesus, but Jesus couldn't preach Paul because he didn't know him or didn't know yet what Paul knew as it, as it kind of got packaged into the message of the salvation that came through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In some of our, our um, churching and schooling, around our, our, our Bible study, we, we tend to fast forward 
in the Bible to the Pauline epistles, to, to the letters of Paul and, and the other letters too, like Peter's and, and James. But, but it's almost as though that's the good stuff. That's what we really need to get to. And if we could only have you know, a part of the Bible, maybe we would only need to have something like 1 Corinthians because in 1 Corinthians, you have Paul's explicit articulation of the gospel and surely the whole message of the Bible is, is summed up in the gospel. And I want to just challenge that today, but at the same time, in a sense, actually come uh, full circle and, and say that, that that is the point, that that is the truth. There's something we long for. It's good news. Um, C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory um, talks about this um, and he talks about this in almost all of his writings this this nostalgic longing this heart longing of the human being and he says the things that we long for the things that we yearn for he says they are not the thing itself They are only the scent of a flower we have not yet found, the echo of a tune we've not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. It's that last one that kind of catches my attention today. Good news from a country we've never yet visited. That's something that just sort of piques my interest. Good news. from somewhere that we've never been or good news that we didn't expect to receive or good news that comes from an um, unexpected source of, of one kind or another. The gospel is good news. That, that's simply what it means. Gospel means good news. The Greek word that is used all the way through the New Testament about gospel and gospeling is simply that, to to announce something good. So so what is the thing that we announce that is good? And what makes us people of the gospel? I, I want to just sort of um, take the camera and, and zoom out from where we are and then we'll, we'll zoom back in again. But I want to zoom out from this point of do you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? And the notion that the gospel is the story of me. So that's going to be a story that fits the North American culture very well. If it's about me, I'm interested in it. And this message that we make at the the core of our Christian faith is a message that apparently is about me. It's, it's, it's a personal message to me about what is being offered to me if I would commit my life to a certain set of beliefs, to believing in Jesus. So there's a story of me, and that story, um, we hope, has culminated in my personal salvation. And my personal salvation has probably come about through some method of persuasion, some preacher or some friend or some book or some movie has persuaded me 
to make a personal commitment to the message of salvation. And therefore, in the story of me, my personal faith is very important. We, we sometimes spin that out um, by either inadvertently or, or, or quite deliberately uh, putting our personal salvation at, uh, at the conclusion of, of the story of me. So maybe I'm a, a, a sports person, an athlete of some kind, and I, I, I take the opportunity to use the platform, the, the, the platform of my notoriety, the platform of my success, and as I tell about my success or my, my prowess in sports, I will say something like, and I thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Almost as an afterthought, but something that I must do. But, but I, I, I hardly ever um, position that in a bigger story than the story of me. So what I want to do today is ask us to be careful to get the bigger story in place into which the story of me properly fits. So the story of the gospel, first and foremost, is not about me. Sorry to, you know, dispel that myth, but it's it's not about you. Not my name is Mike, or my name is not Mike. It's it's about something far more, um, far longer than that. And I'm, I would like to show you um, something from Scripture, and then just kind of put some building blocks together that that I hope will give us the whole story that ends up with the story of you. In the, the scriptures in Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about the gospel. And this is a passage that, that I think turns the gospel to, to look at it a little differently. The typical passage we would go to is 1 Corinthians 15, which says, here's the gospel that Christ died according to our sins, according to scripture, Christ was raised, and, and, and so on. And Paul there says, if you believe this, you are saved. That's, but in Romans chapter 1, the same writer, Paul, just describes the gospel a little differently. And in a way that I think makes me hear it in, in a version that isn't so much about me, at least at the start. So let me read it to you as, as you see it on the screen. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So there's the first sort of turn on the phrase, the gospel. Um, we, we have usually thought about it as being the gospel of Jesus Christ, which it is. But Paul calls it the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets uh, in the Holy Scriptures. These prophets, says Paul, promised the gospel of God. My friend says that um, Jesus could not preach Paul because he didn't know the, he, he didn't know Paul's theology yet. He didn't know Paul's soteriology yet. He doesn't, he, he, he didn't bring um, his finished work to bear. But here, this writer, Paul, actually says, well, 
the gospel of God was all was already promised by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son. So what, what do we know about the gospel, the, the big picture gospel? Well, it, it's called the gospel of God promised in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son. And then we think, well, wow, when, when was it promised in Scripture and how did it promise about his son? Then we have to, to revise our understanding of Scripture and go back to the start and ask, in what way uh, is the story of the Bible, the story of the gospel of God about Jesus? And, and we, we retell the story we retell the details of the story as we understand that they are images of the gospel of God about Jesus. The events, the characters, the, the symbols, the rituals, they are in the story of the scriptures about the gospel of God concerning Jesus. He, he says, they concern his son who was born of a descendant of David. And then I have to say, whoa, okay, a descendant of David, why is that important? And again, um, we would say, well, if you just skip forward to 1 Corinthians 15, you might not notice some of these things, but Paul is saying the gospel of God that was predicted about Jesus, who was his son, and actually um, was a descendant of David, a Jew. So the gospel, as, as Paul begins to open it up here, is, is, is something th- that focuses on a nation, on an ethnic people, on the descendants of David. Even in the sense that um, something in this has to do with the kingship uh, of Israel. David was the king. Um, and, and so why is it that, that Jesus is called King David's descendant. Uh, he, he was the descendant of David according to the flesh. He was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Those ideas are familiar to us. According to the spirit of holiness. Jesus Christ our Lord. So this, this message of the gospel that apparently has been predicted that has to do with uh, the the person of Jesus and and that somehow or other that's important that he is a descendant of David he is now called Jesus Christ our Lord whose Lord and and uh, what does that mean and notice that the term Christ is the term Messiah so uh, again it's a Jewish story a Jewish notion um, that this gospel of God about Jesus is the about the Jesus who has been proven to be the son of God with power, um, but interestingly is a descendant of David and, and the son of God. It, Paul says, it, it was through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles. You go, oh, okay, so now we have a new audience it's not only the Jews, uh, it's a message, a story that um, was, was told 
as, as a Jewish story, but now Paul is saying that he has a particular calling and responsibility uh, to bring about what he calls the obedience of faith. We're, we're going to come back to my story. Have, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And that sounds like what Paul calls the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles. For his namesake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints. So he, he, he kind of pushes the story to a lovely conclusion and says this story that's the gospel of God about Jesus, the descendant of David, um, has, has moved forward and it, it, it begins to call Gentiles into its audience and it calls those Gentiles to obey by faith whatever the message is. And when they do respond, they are called saints. They are, they are, they are called the ones who, by obedience, have entered by faith into a relationship with God. And the result of that, the, the lovely result of it, is that Paul calls the ones he's writing to, who happen to be Romans, he calls them the beloved of God. So, so it's, it's a big picture, it's a big story, and piece by piece, it, it, it kind of opens up a vista into the, the narrative of the whole of the Bible for us. So as we think about this, let me put the building blocks before you that I think are the specific building blocks of the gospel of God that we, we need to understand as we find our place in it. So what I will push to at the end is to say the, the gospel is not first and finally a story about me being forgiven my sins. It is that story. But that story has so much more meaning against the backdrop of, of the grand story, against the narrative of the whole story of God. So we start with the story of God. And uh, as we start with the story of God, it, it, um, it causes us to have a grand notion of where this story might go. If it's a story of God, how important is that story? If it's the story of God, does it come true? We've talked about our longings. And if, if this is the story of God, to what degree do the longings for this story as, as we ex explore them, to what degree do they come true? And do, do the sad parts of it come untrue as, as we track that through? So it, it begins as a story of God and we need to understand that it, it develops then as a story of Israel. You can't understand personal salvation in Jesus fully without understanding the whole backdrop and context of a nation, of a people. And you can't dismiss that people. In fact, you have to notice that people, not only through the story of the Bible, but you have to notice that people through the story of history. Why is the nation of Israel 
such a focus of world events, both in the ancient world and all the way into the modern world. Why does it matter so much? Why does it draw so much attention? Uh, it's because, I believe, it, it's a chapter of the book of God, the, the story of God. It's, it's, a, it's a way that the story moves forward. And it's a story into which I also find my way. So we are um, co-heirs with Israel in, in, in that sense. Uh, we, we, we co-believe, we, um, we stand side by side with a nation and we, we own the same God as that nation. That God has m- made us what he intended to make that nation and what he intended to make that nation um, politically and in, in time and geography, he wants to make for us uh, um, in spades. So everything that was intended politically, he, he wants to work out into the fact that we become a kingdom of priests. Everything that he wanted for them religiously works out into us. It gets blown up for us in the whole notion of being priests of God, and, and we follow that. So the story of God develops into the story of Israel, and then it shows up as the story of Jesus. The story of Jesus is a great place to start, but it's not actually the beginning. The story of Jesus is a, a chapter a few into this grand story of God. And the story of me will properly also find its way tracking back to the story of Jesus and through that to the story of Israel and to the story of God. So the story of Jesus is the most dramatic part of of this whole story. What did God want? Um, What was the nation of Israel supposed to be? How did they play into this great drama? Uh, and then how is it all fulfilled largely in Jesus? How, how did it all kind of point forward to that? How does, how does that become a block that we build onto the whole story as we look for the story of me that we might only have started with not understanding that it's part of a grand, richer, longer, bigger, more powerful story? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior is a very important question. You, you, you need to deal with that. You need to hear what Paul has been saying to us in Romans chapter 1, that he was responsible to call the Gentiles to the obedience of faith. Um, and we are called to call people to the obedience of faith. Faith in what? Faith in the provision of God to fulfill his story, notably in the provision of his son, who is the fulfillment of every story and every longing that that we have noticed as we have come from the very beginning of the story, the beginning of the story of God. So the story of God becomes a story of Israel. It's not over yet. The story of Israel has yet to be concluded. The story of Jesus has not yet been completed. 
Um, Jesus has told us that there are things he's looking forward to, that there are things he's longing for. There are things that are definitely to the future, and the story will not be over until the story of Jesus is over in, in the sense that he will have been finally vindicated and positioned and honored um, by all of creation. And then the story of me is not over. The story of us is not over in the sense that that we need to invite people to, to ask themselves huge questions about what life means. And what life means can only adequately be answered by the story of God. Um, life without God ha- has no meaning. The story of life that is not a version of the story of God is is something that will end us nowhere. It, it will be, um, as it, the writer to Ecclesiastes, um, Solomon or um, Colette, would say to us, if you don't start with the knowledge of God, you can't get anywhere. Or if you try to live life without God, you'll have to end up saying meaningless, meaningless. There's no meaning with without all of this. And so the story of God is the place where we properly place our story of us, my story of me, my individual story. The story of the Christian faith is not if we understand it well, the story of me and God and how he wants a personal relationship with me as though that's all there is to say. That he wants to have a relationship with me but he can't because I'm a mess up because I have sinned and so if he wants to have me as his friend or if I want to be his friend, he's going to have to do something so that I'm welcome to be his friend, right? Right now I'm excluded from being his friend. So a version of of the Christian faith says no matter what anybody else does, what really matters is that I can be reconciled to God. And that's true. But it is far richer when I understand that what that will mean is that I, I then have a life that is trued to all of the story that has brought us to this point. It, it is trued to the story of Israel, why that nation matters, why that, that history matters, why, why David matters. It'll be true to the whole story of uh, an emerging people and and why that people was called into being and, and what their responsibility was. It, it will call me, it will call us all back together to the grand, grand story, which is the story of God. Hey, Mike, he heard from across the stands. And he was wrong, thinking it was about him. And yet he wasn't, right? Because he was he was one of that throng, of, of that crowd. The joy of discovering the story of God is the joy of the throng, is of understanding that this not, it's not just me. And ultimately, it, does, it doesn't just come down to me getting fixed. 
it's about a great narrative, a great story, the story of God, and the privilege he grants me of being part of his story. So when when they yell, hey, Mike, I can answer them, say, yeah, what? Because we together in the stadium of life are, are getting a glimpse of a story that is ever emerging, um, looming ever larger in our understanding and our enjoyment and appreciation um, as we get a hold of the gospel, the good news, the good news that what God wanted in a relationship with us, as we've seen in the last few weeks, to be with us, to be with us and, and to let us see his grandeur, his glory, to be part of it with him, to, to enter into the very joy of continuing to create, to imagine um, to be together in, in community, in the company of those that Paul would say are the ones who have been called to faith in, in Christ. It's not just about me, and yet it is, delightfully so, but so much richer the fact um, that what it is concerning me is legion, it goes on and on and on. And we call that the gospel, which is the best news that good news has ever been.